Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And we do so in the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. May he give us ears anointed to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word and power and demonstration that our faith would stand on in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. We thank you, dear Father God, for the privilege of being a light in a world of darkness. Hold forth the word of life to this generation everywhere we go, that our light shines among men. They may see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. And Father, thank you for boldness to proclaim the gospel everywhere we go, unashamed, unintimidated by our enemy. We thank you, dear Father, for this honor that we all have. Now be glorified in all that is said and done in Jesus' matchless name. Amen and amen. Praise God. We're talking about worshiping the Lord. And we're talking about ministering to the Lord as our number one ministry as a believer. And it's important that we recognize this fact. If we want to be effective in ministering to other people, saints that is, and then people of the world, we've got to first minister to him. And so we're just quickly going to give you some review points that we made last week. Number one, the priesthood began with Aaron, who was the older brother of Moses, the Levitical priesthood that is, and they came from the tribe of Levi. And the Levites were responsible to be, stay before the Lord, bear the Ark of the Covenant, and also minister to the Lord and to bless his name. That was their duty and responsibility, and they were supported by the other tribes. They didn't have any land of their own. They were not landowners. Their responsibility and duty was specifically to minister to the Lord. Well, the priesthood was not going to be forever. It was not going to last permanently. As a matter of fact, at the death of Jesus... We talked about how the old covenant came to an end as well as the priesthood. So in actuality today, the only priests that exist really specifically are you and me. We are the priests, holy priesthood we've been called to. So in other words, in Christ, each and every one of us becomes a priest, a kingdom of priests before God. And as priests, we have a duty and a responsibility to perform. Same thing that they did back then, only we can do it, praise God, because the curtain was, re, was ripped in twain, torn in two from top to bottom, Shekinah glory left, went up to heaven, the heavenly place, and now you and I have access to the throne of God by the blood of the Lamb, and we can enter in, and we can minister to the Lord, we can bless His name, praise God, we bear the Ark of the Covenant, if you think about it, you bear that Ark in you, you have the glory on the inside of you, I have the glory inside of me, everywhere we go, we bear the Ark of the Covenant, praise God, is He living in you this evening? Is He alive in you this evening? Amen. So he, you're bearing the ark everywhere you go. You are a mobile home unit for the Lord. Praise God. A temple in route anywhere you go. Praise God. And you bless his name and you minister unto him. We minister unto him individually as well as collectively as believers. We offer not bloody sacrifices that they offered, but we offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips to give thanks to his name. Now the main reason for the church we talked about the reasons are to minister to the Lord first, to minister to one another second, and minister to the world in that order. If we want to be effective as being soul winners for Christ, we first minister to Him. 
We get empowered by being in his presence. I don't know about you tonight, but I got empowered just by being in his presence and worshiping tonight. Have you? And just filled with the, the fullness of God on the inside, praise God. Just like a bubbling over within your soul. It produces a boldness for you to minister to other people within the body of Christ. And then also to minister to people out there in the world with a boldness, praise God. Like the apostles prayed, may boldness be upon us to proclaim the truth of your word and power and demonstration. By stretching forth your hand to heal through signs and wonders. And they were witnesses for Christ everywhere they went. And that's another primary ministry that we all have. And then uh, we talked about ministering to God involves three things. Praise, worship, and communion. Praise, worship, and communion. Now, we talked about the last five psalms. Did you get a chance to look at those last five psalms called hallelujah psalms? Because they begin with hallelujah. They end with hallelujah. And see some of the things that we're to praise him about and praise him for. Think about the one in Psalm 147 and verse 3. It talks about he heals a broken heart, binds up every wound. Also talks about he makes hard the bars of our gates and protects our families, our children from within. Praise him because he made all things. Praise him for, for many, many reasons that we should be praising the Lord. But also because we can praise the Lord, this is an honor that we all have. We bind his, the kings with chains and fetters of iron. That is the enemy. When you and I praise the Lord from the depth of our soul, uh, we bind the work of Satan. We bind the work of the enemy. Praise God. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. As we praise him and release the power of God, the enemy is, is confounded. The enemy is confused. The enemy is defeated as we praise and magnify the Lord. But if you read those last five Psalms, praise God, they're amazing. You see all the different things we, God wants us to praise him for. Now, as we continue our study, we're talking about now worship. Number two is also a means by which we fulfill our number one ministry. We worship the Lord which really talks about two things. The first and foremost thing is that we worship him for who he is. And secondly, for the things that he's done. So it incorporates that, includes both. But number one, for who he is. Look in the book of Revelation and chapter 4. We'll read verses 8 through 11. This is happening. If we could just have removed the, the curtain that separates us from the glory world, we could see this happening. The four beasts and eat. Each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, now notice, the crown stands for everything that they've achieved, all that they have done. And what they're saying is, it's not because of what I've done, it's all because of what you've done, and because of who you are, I'm casting down my crown at your feet, because you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. So we worship him for who he is. And who is he? The creator. The giver of life to every living, breathing thing there is in existence. It all came from him. So therefore, because he is the creator of all things, he is worthy to receive our praise and worthy to receive our worship. So we worship him for who he is, our creator. 
And if you notice in those Psalms, once again, praise him for all those things. Talking about the sun, the moon, the stars, weather pattern. I mean, it just goes on and says everything. The babbling brook sing forth the praises of God. Let all the trees of the field sing praises unto God. Why? Because he commanded and they were created. Everything is in obedience to the will of God, the plan of God, the power of God that's sustained by the hand of God. And so we are to give back to him our praise and give back to him our worship. And we're going to talk about how we can do that but secondly we also are to worship him because of what he's done look in revelation once again chapter 5 beginning at verse 9 now the prior verses we've already talked about before you know how he sat on the throne the book written within on the back side so with seven seals etc and john began to weep because no one was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof but then the elder said weep not behold the line of the tribe of judah prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof and he beheld and saw jesus as the lamb slain and so on. Well, then they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Why? For thou hast was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. This is what he's done. We worship him for what he's done. He's redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred. Notice every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And all those that say it doesn't matter, you know, wh how you get to God, how you worship God, it does matter. Every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation, Jesus redeemed all mankind. And you made us, notice this, kings, and to our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beasts and the elders, and the number was them with 10,000 times 10,000 and 1,000 thousand, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And by the way, we're going to be there when this happens. We're all going to be around that throne when this happens. Hallelujah. And every creature which is where? In heaven, on the earth, under the earth, and such as it are in the sea, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits upon the throne to the Lamb forever. And the four beasts that amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So you can say on one hand we worship him for who he is. He is the creator. And what he has done when we fell he recreated us by the blood of the Lamb. So he created us. And because of his love for us he recreates us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our rising up and saying, I glorify you, I live for you, I honor you, I bless you, I magnify you. I lift my voice on high that I might be heard in the heavenly sphere. No rock will take my place. No stone will take my place. I will glorify you, my creator, my recreator, my redeemer, my savior, my Lord, my healer, my God. Hallelujah. Praise you, the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. Also, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 29. We worship him because worship involves giving something to God. What can we give to God? You ever find yourself saying, what can I give to my wife for her birthday? What can I give to my wife for our anniversary? What can I give to my mom and dad for all that they have done for me? You know, you think about giving someone who is worthy of a gift because of who they are, maybe because of what they've done. We know we can give something to God. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Now notice, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Have we come to worship him tonight? 
Can you not see that when we came in and we began to minister to the Lord and worship him tonight, couldn't you see the atmosphere just change? Couldn't you just experience the very presence of God profoundly manifesting as we continued ministering unto the Lord? I believe that's what church is all about. Oh, we come together with one objective on our mind. We are going to give to the Lord the glory that is due his name. I, I wrote this out so that we could lick it over. This is just a testimony of, a, of an elderly woman that had an audience with the president uh, during her life. She was given an appointment with President Lincoln. And he said to her, how may I serve you? I know you're a busy man. I've not come to ask you anything, she said. I simply came to bring you this box of cookies. For I heard you enjoy them so much. Silence followed. Tears overflow the president's eyes. Imagine that. I thank you so much for your thoughtful gift. I am greatly moved by it. Since I've been president of this country, many have come into this office asking for favors and demanding something from me. You are the first person who has ever entered these premises asking no favor and indeed bringing a gift for me. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now imagine that the president's office but now take it to a higher level and imagine the throne constantly being bombarded with requests, requests from all the people of God. Asking this favor, asking that favor, please do this for me, please do that for me. And fine, he said, come and ask and I'll show you great and mighty things. But too often we fail to realize there's something that is much higher than our asking God for something. We need to spend some time before the throne of God and give him something sacrifice something you see we don't sacrifice bloody animals like they did back then we don't sacrifice cookies like she did in the president's office but we sacrifice ourselves we worship him from the depth of our soul we come with an understanding of who he is we come knowing what he's done we are so deeply moved by it all that we're falling upon our knees in his presence because of his holiness because of how worthy he is and how wonderful he has been to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. New Living Translation. And we can see that, that worship is not just singing a song. It is not just, you know, with musical instruments doing what we're doing here tonight. That's wonderful. It's, it's a means by which we can worship the Lord. But this is true worship right here. And so dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Notice that. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We can see here that worship then involves more than singing a song. More than just a slow ballad that we get into the throne room and just, you know, honor him with that song. That's wonderful. It's a great way to do it. But you see, it goes beyond that and it involves something more than that. We can see the musicians really giving themselves and not just their ability to play or to sing. But they truly pour themselves into it, laying down their life for him. And as he says here, there's two things we need to do. It involves our conduct or our behavior, and it involves the way we think. We worship him by doing what? Changing the way we think and changing the way we act. In other words, we live the way he wants us to live. 
We conform to the image of Jesus, his son. We see to it that we, honoring, we honor him with our gifts, our talents, our abilities. That we recognize our very breath has come from him. All that we are and all that we have come from him. Our intelligence comes from him. The skill level that we have comes from him. And so we in turn lay it all at the altar. We, all give, we give it all back to him. We worship him with our life, our lifestyle, our conduct, and the way we think. We renew our minds to the word of God so that we don't conform to this world and live the way the world lives. We live by a higher standard. And that is an act and a form of worship as we worship our Father with the way we live and conduct ourselves. There's nothing better that we can give, nothing more that we can give than completely giving ourselves to him. Remember what Jesus said? If a man will truly follow me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. And so I'm giving you my life, Lord. I'm giving you my thoughts, Lord. I'm giving you all that I have and all that I am, Lord. When he said, be careful for nothing and don't have any worries about anything. Don't be so full of anxiety that you're just overtaken by what's going on in the world. Worship me. Don't worship the work of the enemy. Don't worship the problem that you're facing. Give yourself to me. You set your mind on me and my peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. And I'll keep you in perfect peace as your mind is stayed on me because you trust in me. In other words, learn to allow me to take over the situation. To work on your behalf. To bring you the victory in your life. Worship me, not the problem. And when you look at it that way, what a difference it makes, doesn't it? I'm not going to worship the problem, the mountain, the situation, the circumstance. I'm going to worship you. Yes, my body tells me it's hurting, but I'm going to worship you, praise God. And thank you that you're my healer. Yes, my checkbook says that it's mm, hurting, but I'm not going to worship that. I'm going to worship you, my financier, Jehovah Jireh. I'm giving you my worship. You know what? You're a provider of all my need. It's more than just singing the song that my God hasn't filled me yet. It's knowing our God hasn't failed us, and he will never fail us. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to worship you over it. And what we worship him for, he becomes on our behalf. He manifests himself in our praises for whatever we praise, praise him for. You're my peace of mind, praise God. Next is communion. There's so much more, but we want to get these out. Communion with the Lord. Look in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse uh, 31. But they that wait or enter upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They wait upon the Lord means that they intertwine. It's like getting two or three pieces of rope and putting them together and like braiding them, putting them together, intertwining them. Those that intertwine their lives with the Lord, how? Through praise and through worship. What's going to happen? An exchange of strength is going to take place. They'll exchange strengths. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not weary. They'll walk and not faint. So there's a mighty work that takes place in the life of a believer who worships him, who praises him, worships him, and offers himself to God and spends some time in communion with him just to talk things over with him. See, that's a form of worship. Think about it. What you're saying is, I can make this decision. I can make that decision. I can do this or I can do that. But Lord, you're smarter than I am. You're wiser than I am. You know a whole lot more than I do. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to intertwine with you. I want your thoughts. What does your word say about this? What is your spirit saying about this? 
I receive that into myself. That's a form of worship. I'm communing with you. I'm talking things over with you. And this interaction that takes place enables us to draw from his strength, his power, his ability. So in summation, you can say it this way. We release our strength and praise and worship to him. And what happens? He imparts his strength to us. I don't know about you. I'd rather operate in his strength than my own strength. So you can say, first of all, there is an upward flow of praise, worship, and communion. As a result of the upward flow, there is an inward flow coming down from the throne of God. Mercy, grace, and power enter into the believer's life. And then we are now equipped to go forth into the world, and there is an outward flow, a powerful flow of life, glory, and the anointing of Almighty God. You see, we've got something in us now. It's built up on the inside. Why? Because we spent time praising God. We spent time worshiping Him, communing with Him. We got His heart. We got His mind. We know what He wants us to do. There's that inward flow, praise God, of mercy, grace, and power. It's just bubbling up on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And then your blessing going somewhere to happen. You've got boldness dripping from you. You've got confidence just rising up big on the inside of you. And now you're ready to go. And you're going to minister to saints. You're going to minister to people that are in the world. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. Are you fired up tonight? Is there a burning in your soul? Let's take another moment. Lift your hands to heaven with me. Thank you, Father. As we praise you tonight, as we worship you, as we commune with you, we know that you're doing a work on the inside of us right now. We know that there is an inward flow right now of mercy, of grace, and power. And we receive that mercy. We receive that grace. And we receive that power so that we can go forth from this place tonight and be a shining light in this world. So that we can release your life, your glory, and your anointing to minister life to those that we come into contact with. Thank you for this inflow. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you for this inflow. We magnify you and glorify you and honor you. Grant unto us that with all boldness we may proclaim the truth of your word and power and demonstration by stretching forth your hand to heal everywhere we go through signs and wonders. By the name of our holy child Jesus, we thank you, Father, and we bless you. Hallelujah. No mountain can stand before us because you are greater in us than he that is in this world. The victory is ours, and we've overcome the world by our faith in you, Jesus, and what you have done for us. Hallelujah. Oh, how we just love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Now, the ability to minister to saints. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. We've ministered now effectively and efficiently to the Lord our God, and now we are equipped to minister to saints. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality Notice the expression, one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice, one to another, one to another. So every one of us has received a gift. And because of the gift that we have, we're to minister one to another by the grace of God, by the gift of God, by the impartation that God has provided for us, whatever that might be. But in love, we're to love one another and also to minister to one another. So there are many verses of Scripture here in the Bible that reveal to us, especially in the New Testament, 
ways that we can minister to one another. And as we look quickly at some of these verses here, we can see what he's saying. We want to be effective ministers also within the body of Christ and not just without. And so as a child of God, we all have a place in the body of Christ. And we all quote the verses that talk about the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the ear, I don't need you. The eye can't say to, you know, uh, the hand, I don't need you. We need every body part, don't we? And so that means we all need each other, don't we? Praise God. And you're here tonight because you're a part of a local body of believers. And you're making a contribution by being here tonight. You're adding your anointing. You're adding your gifting. You're adding the ability that God has placed within you to be effective as a church body to what? Provide a habitation for God in the spirit, for ministry, for saints, and then a divine empowerment to reach our locality, our community, with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Okay, so look at some of these verses. They'll help us better understand how to minister one to another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. First of all, we see that we're to minister love one to another. Look at John 13. This is the love commandment, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. See the expression one another? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. So there it is, the mandate for us to minister love to one another. To love as he loved us. And that statement alone tells us that he raised the bar on love. That we're to love not as in the Old Testament that it says you love your neighbor as yourself. No, this goes higher. He raised the bar. This goes higher than that. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now we see the new bar. The standard. Unconditional love to one another. Based on decision. Based on principle. Every one of us is to love one another as he loved us. And he laid down his life for us. As actually, in 1 John three sixteen, it actually says that we owe it to him to love as he loved us. We owe it to him. We're indebted to him. But because he loved us, then we need to love one another. Secondly, uh, notice in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. We're to be kind and prefer one another. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one one another now when he said deny yourself that's what he's talking about here i would prefer you over myself that's what jesus did for us he preferred us over himself in other words he took the fall for you and for me so that you and i could be free and we're to do what follow his example and minister this love one to another minister this to one another prefer one another and then thirdly uh, live in harmony and don't condescend Look at Romans chapter, uh, I'm sorry, be kind. Yeah, that's right. Don't condescend. Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. That's unity and harmony. Mind not high things, but condescend the men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. What is he saying? Don't condescend. You see somebody in the body of Christ and they may be hurting. Maybe they're poor. Maybe they're destitute. You know, and you hang around with a different crowd. Don't, don't get caught up in that. See to it that you give yourself in such a way so as to never condescend on anybody. Don't look down on any person. Love everyone. As a matter of fact, make it your point to find somebody that you can see that needs help and be that person to help. Minister your love. Minister what you have to give to someone. Maybe financially you can't help all that much, but you can help with an encouraging word. You can uphold that person. You can pray for that person and let them know that you care about them. And then number four, don't judge or be critical. Look at Romans 14, 13. 
Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or any occasion to fall in his brother's way. How do I minister to someone who might have a different opinion than I do? Understand his way. And don't criticize, don't judge, don't be critical of that person. In context, he's talking about a Jewish person that got saved, still didn't want to eat meat or eat pork. But the one that did and had strong faith said, I can do it. So in other words, you do it under the Lord, you do it under the Lord. Don't criticize each other for what you're doing. Don't look down upon each other. Don't judge each other for that. Next, number five, Ser, uh, serve one another. Galatians 5 and verse 13. For brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Notice that. Serve. How do we minister to saints? We serve one another. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and laid down my life for others. Next, bear one another's burdens. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. How do we minister to one another? Man, when you know of someone that's in need, when you see someone that's hurting, bear that heavy burden. How? Through prayer. Get on your knees before God. Lift that person up in the spirit. Let them know that you're joining together with them to help them overcome and rise up above the situation that they're experiencing in their lives. And you know what? I believe that's truly when intercession takes place. When the heart of a person really begins to experience the hurt of another person. And sometimes you can actually take on the feeling of that hurt in yourself and bear it. And praise God, deliverance comes to the individual. And so this is part of ministering one to another. Look at the next one. Be compassionate and forgiving. And oh, how important this is in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted or compassionate, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake had forgiven you. Notice how he finishes that statement. Remember, you have been forgiven for Christ's sake. God forgave us for Christ's sake. And so it's up to us to see to it that we forgive all those who have wronged us because we've been forgiven. We should never allow ourselves to hold unforgiveness or bitterness in our hearts no matter what anyone has done to us. Why? Because we've been forgiven all of our sins by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we can't afford to hold a grudge toward anybody. So that's how we minister one to another. Look at the next one. Submit to one another. Yes, yeah, submit to one another in Ephesians 5.21. Submitting yourselves one to another. Notice this. In the fear of God. Submitting is not something easily done by any person. But you'll notice in context, he's talking about the husband submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The wife submits to the leadership of her husband. The children submit to their parents in the Lord. Workers submit to their employers, etc. Employers, they submit to the Lord and see to it that they treat their employees with dignity and respect. He's talking about submission and authority here. 
And the way we serve one another and the way we mention one another is that we follow this in the fear of the Lord, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And also, that's something that takes place within the body of Christ. You realize that? We've got a five-fold ministry that God has put together and ordained. And we're told in Scripture, in Peter in particular, that we're to submit to our elders in the Lord. And show respect to those that have gone on before us or they're older than we are. And they've been in the Lord a lot longer than we have. We submit to their leadership. We submit to their wisdom and their guidance and direction. And so we're ministering to one another in the fear of God. Next, admonish, advise, urge, or warn. Look at Colossians in 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice, admonish one another, urge one another, encourage one another. All these things, advise one another, help one another. We're ministering to one, one another. And in cases when you see someone even in a fault. Next one, encourage. Look at um, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Encourage. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Build each other up, even as also ye do. So in other words, we come with the idea that I'm going to build my brother up. I'm going to build my sister up. I'm going to speak words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Things that will minister life to their soul. This is how we minister to one another. But remember, you just came from the throne of God. You are just so full of God, so empowered by God, so full of compassion, and so full of love. You've been forgiven, and you've been cleansed from anything that you've done. And you're now on fire for God, and you've got this burning inside your soul. And everywhere you go, can you imagine going off to the workforce, the work field that day? And now you're out there, you're ministering, the love of God is just dripping out of you. And you're now being effective as a minister if you've got brothers and sisters that you work with. And you can just build them up, edify them. Someone comes along and just says that, that they've just been beaten down by the enemy and whatever's happened in their life. But there you are, a voice of encouragement, a voice of edification. Someone that will help them lift up their spirits. And once again, receive the joy of the Lord in their walk. Counsel, I mean consider, notice this next one. Consider and stimulate. Book of Hebrews chapter 10. Consider and stimulate. Let us consider one another. To provoke or stimulate unto love and to good works. Notice how important those two are. When we see someone not walking in love, minister to that person. Remember, we're to walk in love. Yeah, but you don't understand. I want to give them a piece of my unrenewed mind. I want to tell them what I really think. It's going on in me right now, but wait a minute. Speak the truth in love. Calm down just a little bit. Don't let your anger control you. Don't give your emotions the key to your mouth or your tongue. You'll say some things that you're not want, really want to say. And you're going to be hurtful in your words. No, consider one another. Provoke one another to love and to good works. Notice the next one. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And this could be in, involved in just assembling together. So provoke to good works. Incite to good works. Incite to walk in love incite people to attend church, be a part of the local body, get involved, use your gift, use your talent, use your ability, don't hide it in the bushel somewhere. You know, those that say, I could, just, I could be just as good a Christian sitting home watching TV. No, you can't, because you can't use your gift with a television. But you can use it here. You can see someone, God will speak to your heart. You realize if we don't make ourselves available, he can't use us. He's looking for availability. In other words, go somewhere. I remember someone talking about how he went to a bus stop. 
And he said he was really, really encouraged. He was reading some materials and he was just on fire for God and encouraged by God. And he said, I put myself out there because, you see, I was timid. I grew up in a, in a situation where I was very timid and shy and backward and always talked down at and all that. So it, it was a hard thing for me to get out of that shell and put myself out there where I can be effective to minister to other people. And so as I began to grow in that, I began to study materials, I, uh, other ministers and how God used them. And one was Wigglesworth. You know, he was wild. And he was studying under him. He says, so one day I put myself out there. I went to a bus stop and I sat there. I just waited. I'm, waited at the bus stop. All of a sudden the bus comes by. And people start to walk out. I mean a group of people all coming walking out. And at first he was a little bit intimidated. Because of where he was at. But he said, Lord, I know that you're with me. And I know that you have someone here that I can minister to. See, if we don't make ourselves available... How's he going to use us? You know what he did? He saw a man walking down the steps of the bus. And he stopped him when he saw him with a cane in his hand and limping on his way down. He walked over to him. Everybody behind him, there was somebody who came off the bus. And as he stood there, he said, you want to be healed? The man just looked at him and said, you mean like through prayer? He said, yeah. He said, let's do it. He said, what's the problem? He says, I got these tumors and there's nothing that can be done. I'm scheduled to be amputated soon. He rebuked the tumors in his leg. He said, and then I watched a fella standing there, maybe a step up. He threw his cane aside. He jumped off onto the leg that was bad that was to be amputated. And when he hit the ground, his leg was completely healed. When they all came off the bus, it was a group of Pentecostal people that just came from a meeting, a prayer meeting, a, a revival meeting. And this guy... Being there made himself available to pray for him at that moment. It was like a divine appointment because the man made a decision that he said, I want to be used somewhere. And he made himself available. And praise God, the miracle took place. But you see, it's so important that we realize that each and every one of us has got a call upon our lives to minister to the Lord first, minister to one another, the saints, but then also to people of the world. Think about it. You've got a message in your heart that you can give to someone to save them from an eternal fire. Can we imagine that? Imagine it. Everywhere we go in this world, people that we come into contact with every day soon will be either in heaven or lost forever in a lake of fire. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that. So thirdly, we want to administer to people of the world. And we want to be effective in doing so. Would you agree? All right, let's look at that just for a moment. Minister to the lost, Luke 19.10. Jesus said, here's my primary mission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's what he came to do. To seek and save 
that which was lost. Well, if we're following him, that should be the beat of our heart as well. We want to be able to be effective in communicating Jesus to people that are out there in the world. And how are we going to do that? Three things here I have listed. But first, let's look at them. First Corinthians chapter three, verses six and seven. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Whenever you and I share with anyone in the world, remember those three things. Actually, there's three things, but then we'll talk about God's increase. Number one, you recognize the fact that you're either planting a seed. Or number two, you are watering a seed. Or number three, you're reaping a harvest. But in all this, it is God who gives the increase. You say, how can you differentiate between those? Well, first of all, number one, someone who's planting a seed, you can tell by just talking to someone if they know anything about God at all. Have you been born again? What are you talking about? You're probably planting a seed. Um, if you get, have you been born again? You know, I've got friends that are telling me about being born again. You're watering a seed. But if you find someone that's ripe and ready, you're reaping a harvest. And many times, I've done that, sometimes even here at the altar. When someone gets saved here at the altar, you're reap, we're all reaping a harvest here. Because someone's probably already sowed the seed, and someone's watered the seed, and now that person comes and we're reaping the harvest. And so when you talk to someone like that, you know what? Yeah, my brother got saved, my mother got saved, other people in the family got saved and all that. And I'll tell you what, I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this. I've been wondering for myself, oh, now you're ready to reap harvest. And then you just use the wisdom that God has given you to take them down the Roman road to show them the way to salvation. But in all this, who's given the increase? God has given the increase. Okay, now what's important for us to know when it comes to ministering effectively to other people? To minister people that are lost in the world. Number one. The three P's we call them. Practice your faith. Practice your faith. How important this is. You just came from the throne of God. You're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Maybe you came from a meeting like this. And you're just on fire. Because you've experienced ministering uh, to other saints. In the body of Christ. But now you're out there in the world. And you're so filled with and so full of God. See, and everywhere you go, practice the faith. Why? Because they see you. You know, lawyers are more concerned about evidence than they are testimony. Are they not? Show me the proof. Show me the evidence. In other words, if you're going to be effective, and I'm going to be effective and measure somebody, when they see me, do they see Christ in me? What kind of a lifestyle do they see? Do they see someone who goes, flies off the handle and, and goes crazy about little things? Or do they, do they see someone who walks in love and even though maybe you're put down and abused, but still you're going to maintain your composure and anger. You're not going to let anger you know, control your mouth and your lips and your actions and your behavior. You may be in the workplace and they're going to see you flying off the handle going crazy just because maybe you feel you deserve to do so. We've all been down that road before because you know, people uh, will wrong us. But because you know 
You don't want your, your testimony to be tarnished and your witness to be ruined because you are a shining light wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you go, in the workplace, at the store, uh, putting in your gas, whatever it might be. You're showing love. You're showing a lifestyle. You're practicing your faith. They see Christ in you. Okay? Number two, pray. Pray. It's so important that we realize that it is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare that we're all engaged in. And it takes prayer to break the power of the enemy. To dispel the darkness. Stand against it. You've got a brother. You've got a sister. You've got a, a person that's out there maybe in the world. Maybe not a family member. But someone that you work with. Whatever. And God just placed a burden of his soul upon yours. You bind satanic powers. The darkness that blinds their mind. You release the spirit of life. And you start thanking God for their salvation. You call them into the family of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Whatever. You practice your faith. You pray before you ever. Number three. Preach. Now you have a platform. Now you can talk to that person about Jesus. Because you see. They see your faith. They see your lifestyle. They see your walking in godliness and holiness. Secondly, they don't know you prayed for them, but you bound that spirit of darkness that's holding them in captivity. And then number three, now, can I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? Can I share with you my faith? And remember, based on their response, know when you're sowing a seed, watering a seed, or reaping a harvest. I remember in the workplace one time. I started to share with some, someone about Jesus. And I got so far. I knew exactly when to stop. I knew exactly when that person had enough. I knew I was only planting a seed. Guess what? I was satisfied. You don't want to beat someone over the head. You're going to beat them into the kingdom of God. Trust that God will give the increase. And bring someone to water the plant. Trust then that God will then provide someone to reap the harvest. At some point in their life. Amen. So in conclusion, each and every one of us is to minister to God the Father, to minister to the saints, and minister to one another. And as kings and priests, a kingdom of priests before God, this is a major part of our responsibility and duty. And I believe if we'll do it, praise God, we'll experience a greater working of God individually and collectively as a church body. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you.
So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.